Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be here. Yeah, no pressure at all. None at all. I was already, listen, I was already, I was already prepared because um, of the amount of respect I have for Pastor Dave. And, and when he uh, gave me the invitation to come and preach here, I was like, oh my gosh, because uh, just with his intelligence and, and his theology, I was like, Lord, uh, he gives a nice, wonderful, healthy dose of good spiritual food. I pray, oh God, that I don't come and bring a happy meal. And so... <laughs> That in, it, that in and of itself, I was like, okay, Lord. And then on top of that, to have Dr. Durst. Lord, I'm so glad we prayed and interceded for this time together. Uh, but once again, it's been an incredible honor and privilege to be with you here today. And I pray that God will just bless our time together. Amen. Now, my wife would love to be here. My wife is actually a, a school nurse, and uh, she, she works very tight. And she is, I've been with her uh, since I was, uh, well, She's been with me since I was 16. I was in love with her since I was 14. Um, she didn't know I existed until senior year in high school. But I don't know if you have the picture up there. My family, they all come and bring greetings. Uh, and they beautiful? And we give God thanks that they don't look anything like me. That's why we give God thanks. They look great. And so my name is Christopher. My wife's name is Christabel. And the, my two oldest ones, we uh, adopted them when they were uh, 14 and 15 years of age. And so my oldest daughter, her name is Christina. And my oldest son, his name is Christopher. And we adopted them because they were, uh, we were told that we couldn't have any kids. And after adopting them, a month later, my wife was pregnant. And, and, and we have uh, Christiana. And then you have my youngest son, uh, Christopher Jr. So... Uh, when you see us, it's Chris, 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 and Chris. And that's our family. That's my little granddaughter, Taylor. She calls me Pop-Pop. But that's our family. And they have all, uh, when they wanted to be here. But that's a lot of people. That's a lot of tickets. But nonetheless, we come uh, just uh, really uh, having this time together. Bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you, God, for this opportunity just to share your word, just to be here together with this incredible group of people. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will just invade our hearts. We invite your kingdom to invade our kingdom right now, Lord. Invade our hearts, our minds, Lord. Uh, change our priorities. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will give us the courage, Lord, not to resist your word, but Lord, just to receive everything, every aspect of what you speak into our hearts today. Have your way. May your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says... Amen. I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, reading uh, from verses 6 to 13, and that was my prayer that I pray, oh God, that whatever uh, you give me today would not interrupt this incredible series. And so I'm believing by the, by just by the will of God that, that that's the purpose. And it says in verse 6, but now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy, and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So, we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because of you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. May God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow 
and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his people. Amen. And to give you just some sort of context with this, uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church in, in Thessalonica. And, and the, the thing about Thessalonica, it's the, the, the capital of this territory of Macedonia and definitely the most populous. It's, a, it's an amazing location. It's right there on the eastern trade route to Rome. And so you have all of these, the trade that's happening, but it's also a port off the Asian Sea. And so you have the trade route going to, to Rome. It's like the hub and the junction. So because of that, you have a diversity of people coming there, people coming from different geographical locations doing business. And this is where uh, Paul came and started to uh, share the gospel. The Bible lets us know on his second missionary journey, Paul uh, went to the uh, synagogue uh, for three Sabbaths in a row. And he just started challenging them with word from scripture about the Messiah who is Jesus Christ. And, and even though he was challenging them, in this city, Thessalonica, you had one of the largest population of Jewish uh, people. And so this, this, this pushback started happening and people started to understand the word and, and God started to do an incredible thing there. And so all of these Jews came to know the Lord. And the Bible said also Gentiles who feared God also came to the Lord. And because of that, in this city, a lot of the Jewish uh, uh, people, the important Jewish people of the city rose up. And I love the Bible says they got uh, um, uh, uh, certain individuals or the riffraff, troublemakers, to create this mob to attack them. And the Bible says that uh, when that happened, Paul had to, to leave the city, had to escape, and, and, and they, they went to uh, the house of Jason, who was really uh, keeping them, and they dragged them out looking for Paul. They couldn't find Paul. They took him to, to the magistrate and, and, and charged him, and saying that Paul was preaching and sharing this information of another king that will rival, you know, Rome. And this is crazy. It's a huge problem. And so Paul is gone. Uh, they had to make bond. And, 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 and it's just a whole lot of trial, a whole lot of uh, crazy drama happening here. The Bible says he goes to Berea, which is further down. And the same Jewish people that were in Thessalonica follow him there because he's continuing to do this work. To the point where he had to run and go all the way to Athens. And that's where this letter comes into play. He's writing to them. He's writing to him, say, listen, uh, I, I'm, I was so concerned and worried that I had to leave quickly because of the situation that happened there. And, and my concern was that after I left, that you would give up on this journey of faith that you had. I, I was afraid that the uh, situations that, that occurred, the drama that was there, would, 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 would hamper your, your, your desire to follow hard after God. Now, let me stick a, just stick a pin right here. I don't know about you, but sometimes, even as we serve the Lord and as we're on this journey of faith, sometimes the evidence of what's happening in our lives may, may contradict what even God is trying to do. And there's a concern there that because of hardships, all of a sudden, this God stuff ain't real. And Paul was so concerned. He's like, you know, I, I hope that, that this would not uh, push you away. I hope that you don't think that, that God isn't, isn't real. And, and, and so he was concerned. But then he got word from Timothy who went and visited. And when, when, he, when, when Timothy came and gave him the news 
of, of what was happening, the Bible says that Paul was encouraged. He, he was encouraged to, to know that, guess what, uh, whatever happened in the city didn't stop you, and, 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 and that, that, that affected him. Now, the reason why this is important, and, and please understand, this is Paul the Apostle, who's done incredible things. He saw incredible things. But what we see right here in this letter, we can actually hear and feel the emotion, the connection that existed between Paul and these people. What is amazing is how his connection to them affected him. The, the, the fact that it was emotional, the fact that it was spiritual, the fact that he, uh, enough happened that he himself was affected. Gone are the days where it's just me and God. There's a reason and there's a purpose behind this connection. Dare I say, it's by God's design that we should be together, to be together. You know, uh, gone are those days. And I remember growing up in uh, uh, an old school Pentecostal um, Holiness Church. My dad is the pastor, and, and at times uh, he would preach. Uh, he would preach like this. He said, and let me tell you something. On that day of judgment, it's just going to be you and God. Your dad is not going to be there. Your mama's not going to be there. Your brother's not going It's between you and God. That's my daddy, you know. <laughs> Scared me straight. But what happens is what you, what, you, what you take away from that is this idea of the spiritual individualism. It's just me and God. It's just me and God. You know, I come to church. I don't come here for y'all. I come here for Jesus. That's all I need is my Jesus. Don't ain't nobody going to stop me from. And so there's this idea that the more spiritual I get, the more isolated I get with just God and myself. But that's not what we see in Scripture. We see this incredible, powerful man of God become effective with what's going on in the lives of other people. Because something happened. Something incredible was created. No, from the very beginning, uh, this idea of coming together, this idea of community, this idea of fellowship starts from the very beginning. The Bible says even during creation, God uh, in, in an intimate way formed man out of the dust of the earth. And it was intimate. He, he made man in his likeness and in his image. And he took it a step further. He breathed into man and man became a living soul. And Adam is, is animated and God gave Adam purpose. He gave him purpose and said, listen, I want you to name all of these animals, all these creatures. And in the process of him embracing this purpose, he's naming this one and naming this one. The Bible says that Adam comes across and says, hmm, I, I, I see the giraffes have the giraffes and the rhinoceroses are together and the two dogs. And in the midst of him doing, he realized that there's nobody for him. And God said these words from the very beginning. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will go and make a helpmate suitable, a companion. Please understand, right up until that point in creation, everything was good. Everything. Except when we got to this point, when it came to a human being trying to do it by themselves, having purpose all by themselves, God's word says, no, this is not good. From the very beginning, the idea of being together with someone was a part of his divine plan. We could, we could, we could rest with Old Testament theology. We jump right into New Testament theology. And, and the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples how to pray. And the very first word of this model prayer, Jesus says, our Father who are in heaven. 
He didn't say my daddy because I've known him long. He said our father, symbolizing this powerful understanding that we're together. We're a family. He is our father in this together, this idea, this concept of being together. There is this um, uh, old African proverb that says this, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. If you want to go fast, you go by yourself. But if you want to go far, you go together. And so the, the title of my sermon today is Together. Together. By definition, together means to be with or in proximity to another person or people. But I love the second part of the definition. It says into companionship or close association. Together. Uh, the a word that you find in the Bible that closely relates to that is this word fellowship, or in the Greek, koinonia. And, and the idea of fellowship, it means to have a friendly association. Once again, I come from that old school holiness Pentecostal background where we were heavy in the word and we were heavy in prayer. But when it came to fellowship, immediately we just thought fellowship meant to have fun and play around. And I can remember saying my father said, we have no time for games. Souls are at stake. <laughs> and so even growing up, the idea, we were deep in the prayer, we were deep into that word. But when it came to idea of fellowship, that's coffee and donuts. We ain't got no time for that. We need to get down deep into intercessory prayer. And, and the word fellowship here, the word fellowship, koinonia, actually means to actively engage in an exchanging of ourselves. Like, I, I take time out to give uh, myself to you, and you give yourself to me. And, and as we do that, that's what we call koinonia. The best parts of Dave and who, Dave, who Pastor Dave is, he, he, he pours into me, and who I am, I pour into him. And this constant engaging, this constant interchanging is what creates difference. See, so in, in, in growing up, I remember even in, in, in ministry, when I first started out, I, I had such a low thought about fellowship. I was so strong in prayer and good word and, and powerful spirit-filled teaching. And, and the truth is, fellowship is not necessary until it is. And the way I used to preach and teach is, I'm going to go in with this word. I'm going to spend time in this word. And when I preach this, you better not get it wrong. You better live right. You better do good. And, and, and until right in 2003, some of the close youth leaders I worked with, they totally fell off the rails, totally just you know, walked away from the Lord, and it messed with me. And I never forget when I approached the young lady, I said, come on, what's going on? And this, this is what she says. She says, you know what? The truth is you guys did not care about me until I started to walk away. Where were you when everything was going well? Where were you when we were doing things? See, there was no fellowship. There was no me personally investing in her and exchanging that. We just got concerned when all of a sudden she started not, not to come to church. Fellowship was needed. When the family is going through distress, fellowship is, is, that, is that thing that creates investment in their life. And so the more I pour into Dave, the more Dave pours into me. When Dave is going through a hard time, I don't have to act like I'm concerned. I'm genuinely concerned because fellowship occurred. We're connected. It's a part of God's divine plan. It's his strategy for ministry. I realize that. Do you realize when we fellowship enough time and there's enough time, in fact, we create a community. 
By definition, a community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. I'm here to let you know we have one of the greatest communities that this earth has because we're not tied together by geographical location or by ethnicity or by culture. We have Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that transcends cultures, transcends race, transcends geographical location location. It pulls us together. And do you know how incredible that is? If you're from that side of the world and you're from that culture and for some strange reason the Holy Spirit brings us all together and we start exchanging one thing out of us and, and all of a sudden things that seemed impossible and, and walls that can't come down and, and obstacles that can't be... Uh, uh, con- all of a sudden God is having his way because we're doing this together. You could hear it in his writing. How he was so full of joy when he found out that everything was okay. And so in a very short time, the believers in Thessalonica became a Christian, spirit-filled community. Here's the first point. Together, we are encouraged. Together, we are encouraged. In verse 7, it says, so we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It's amazing how he was not encouraged because of the presence of the Spirit of God. What's interesting is that he was encouraged because of what they were overcoming. While he's running for his life, he's going through his problems, he realizes that they're going through their problems, but when he got word of how, what their testimony was, the Bible says it brought him to a place of being encouraged. That's a powerful thing because the truth is when we're together, you don't have to struggle alone. Your testimony becomes my testimony because you're not alone. You'll never be alone in in the household of faith. You'll never be alone in a community of believers. In fact, what you're going through can help me have encouragement with what I'm going through because something happens when we struggle together. Can someone say amen? amen? I'll never forget when my oldest son... You see, you have to understand, my oldest son and my oldest daughter, they were in the system for about 10 years. Their, 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 their father uh, died when they were young. Their mom was a substance abuser. She lost, uh, uh, um, she lost rights to them. They were in the system, and that's a long story, but nonetheless, they were mine. My son was just out of hand. He was raised on the streets. He was a part of a gang, and guess what? He joined the Marines. What God can do with a couple of Marines. And I never forget going down to Paris Island because he was graduating. Now, as I was walking towards the, 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 the center where the parents go, I'm walking, I see this one drill sergeant like this. And he, the way they yell at you, their whole body straightened like this. And he's going in on this poor guy right by all these other bats. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And I'm looking at this, and I am a grown man, and I got the fear of God right now in me because I'm seeing and they went, ar, 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 and he's barking at this dude. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so what I did, I just acted like I didn't see anything because I didn't want to get yelled at. <laughs> and I just kept it moving. I just kept it moving. And I'm like, what? And I, in my mind, I'm trying to figure out how my, my son went through this. I'm like, I can't believe this. But then eventually I went to the tarmac and I'm seeing them march. And we're all, I'm just, I'm just having a wonderful time. After the graduation, he takes me to his barracks. And while I'm in the barracks, I said, hey, son, uh, is there a bathroom, a restroom I can go to? He said, oh, yeah, dad, the head is over there. And there's, it, there's no door. There's just this opening. I'm a, I'm a very private person. And I'm like, ooh, okay. 
So I head, I head towards this opening, and as I walk inside this bathroom, I kid you not, there are like eight toilets against this wall and eight toilets against this wall. There are no partitions. There are no curtains. And I'm like, what? Not only that, the spacing between the toilets are of such that if you're sitting on it and I'm sitting on it, our knees will touch. I'm like, wait a minute. And, I'm, and, 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 and I look at it and I said, there's no other place. There's no pop. This is, this, is, this is it. And I also know that my son, my son is a very private person. So I'm like, there's no way he would ever use, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And this is what my son said to me. And it, it really impacted the way I thought about certain things. Like he said, Dad, listen, when we get here, we get broken down so badly, right? We get, we get broken down so bad so to the point where we no longer think about our individual selves. As, listen, as brothers, we see the shame, we see the weakness in each other to the point where all we can think about when we leave this place is leaving as one unit. I said, amazing. He said, listen, there's this one guy who, who, who's there. He's from one of the southern states. And when he saw my son, it was very, uh, it was very you know, obvious that he was going to be he was racist towards my son. And if you know my son, my son, listen, he's racist too or whatever. I don't know if he, I, well, listen, my son just don't like anybody. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a word for that, but he just didn't like anybody. And he was telling me about this guy. He says, by the time they were finished with graduation, they both knew that if either one of them was in trouble, they'll do whatever it takes to make sure. They were so broken down that each and every one of them was totally convinced that no one will ever get left behind. And my son said, and I don't even know if he changed his ideology. All I know is if he needs me, I'm there for him, and I'm convinced if I need him, he'll be there for me. I said, wow. You want to know why? Because when they struggle together, they come out in unity. When they struggle together, they have a single identity. And it's the power of fellowship. It's the power of this together. The second thing that we notice is that together we have joy. Together we have joy. Verse 9, it says this, how we thank God for you because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence, which once again is very important. It's not because just because of the spirit of God or the anointing of God that brought this joy. It was a fact that what was happening in your life is, is having an emotional response in mind. Because what happens with you, if we are connected, uh, what goes on in your life has to affect my life. I don't have to act like it. It just happens because this thing called fellowship is real. We, we move away from the rugged individualism and come into this place where God is calling us to be one body. What happens to you affects me. Let me can I be honest with you? There are certain parts of my body I'm not that uh, very proud of. And, if, and if, if you get to know me, you know there's no pretense. The truth is I'm not very fond of the pinky toe. There's very little you can do to actually make this part of your body just more pleasant. The pinky toe, the, the amount of filing and whatever, whatever, the crust that just settles in, it's just there's little that you can do. I've actually seen people, you know, waste, waste uh, nail polish on just putting a dot on this, this part. It's just, there's nothing you can do to pretty it up. It's the pinky toe. 
It's the pinky toe. And I never forget one time as a youth pastor, I started feeling myself thinking I was God's gift to youth and all that stuff. And, and I remember waking up, uh, in, in, you know, waking up in the morning to use the bathroom. And as, I'm, as I get out of the bed, I'm walking to the bathroom, and, and my foot catches the edge of that bed edge. Brothers and sisters, I didn't break my arm. I didn't break my neck. It was the pinky toe that got hit. And when I hit, I jumped up in the eye ah, just like this. And it was amazing how this little part of my body that I wasn't even impressed with, <laughs> immediately it, when it felt pain, the rest of my body reacted. Why? Because it was connected to the body. Because it's one body. The Bible tells us that as children of the Most High God, we are one body. And it's a part. Anything you feel, I, have to, I don't have to act like I have to feel. I don't have to be professional about it. I don't even have to be kind. It's, it's, just, it's a part of life that if you are a part of this church and I'm a part of this church, we fellowship so much that when you're going through tough times, I feel it. And because of that, I can't ignore it. Isn't that something? I've learned since that time to appreciate the pinky toe. If it's gone, I can't balance. And even though I don't spend enough time with you, baby, I know you matter to me. Can someone say amen? Here's the last point. The last point is together our love will grow. It grows. Together our love grows. Verse 12, this is what it says. It says, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow, grow, and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. Here's, here's the most important part of this sermon. You cannot make yourself love more. You cannot work hard to love somebody more. This is the work of the Lord. Sometimes we try to take on the work of the Holy Spirit like as if it's us. I'm, I'm here to let you know God is the one that will add the increase in your ability to love. All we have to do is be obedient to take that first step. Just like that. I always asked myself, what would make Paul go so hard in ministry? Times I was like, it's the anointing. It's the fiery burning call of God. But there's something extra that exists there even when you read this letter. Because please understand, before he was at Thessalonica, Paul just came out of Philippi. Where he, he, he listen, someone was delivered by God from an evil spirit. Demon-possessed was delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. They beat Paul and Silas, threw them in jail unjustly. And while they're in jail, they're worshiping, giving God glory. Earthquake comes. Break out. That's awesome. They stay. Witness and minister to the jailer. They give their hearts to the Lord. Then everybody goes, oh, my bad. We didn't mean to beat you. And then move on. Brothers, let me tell you something. If that happened to me, that would be God's way of saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's time for retirement. But Paul didn't stop. He continued on to the next place, which was Thessalonica. And even after going through all that drama in Thessalonica, he went to Berea. He, he kept, and I would say, you know what, Lord? It's because of the burning passion of your word and your work. But there was more. There was an, a genuine love for people. That did not originate inside of Paul. It was something that came from the Lord. And to the point where he just went to that next level. The, the, the crazy thing is that word for more. When he says, um, I, I want the Lord to make your love for one another and for all people grow. That word grow in, 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 in Greek, it simply means more. 
And when you read it in the Greek, it simply means more upon more. Like whatever you have, I'm going to give you another one. Whatever you have, I'm going to give you another one. And whatever you have, I'm going to give you another one. It's God that keeps adding this more factor to our love. All we have to do is be willing to open up ourselves to actually connect with someone. Connect with the word of God. Connect with each other. And no matter where you're coming from, the idea of connecting. God adds the more. But not only that, this is what he says. Not only will I give you more love, but I'm going to let it overflow. And that Greek word for overflow actually means this, to exceed a fixed measure. That means you said to yourself, based on who I am and based on where I come from, I can only love this way. Or based on the experiences I've had, this is only how much I can do. And God says, when you give yourself to me, watch me give you more to the point where I'll surpass your own limitations of love. It's not just God giving us more love. The Bible lets us know that he will let it overflow. He'll let it spill over. Do you realize before I came to Christ, I was a black Muslim in the nation of Islam? Do you know what that means? Do you know what it's like to be raised in a Pentecostal household with a pastor and a mom who's a pastor and a dad who's a pastor and a brother who's in Bible college, but you being the middle child says, no, I hate white people. I'm going to be a nation of Islam. And then all of a sudden for God to arrest you in the, back, in the back row of your brother's graduation service in Bible college and to hear the voice of God and, 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 to, and to submit to that? Can I tell you a secret? Do you realize the moment I gave my heart to the Lord, I still had issues. <laughs> I still had issues. But my submission to the move of God in my life allowed God to give me more, more love. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've experienced in your life where you can now declare to God, I can't do it. It's not in me to do it. Not where, what I'm from, not what I've experienced. Let me, I put limitations on what God, listen, I have a minute. Listen, my, my, my dean would, would open up chapel every morning like this. He'd go, brothers and sisters, why don't you give that person next to you a hug? And I'm looking around at all the people that don't look like me. I'm like, not today. <laughs> not today. But do you realize is the more I gave myself to God, the more I allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work that I thought could not happen. The Bible says my submission to the Lord allowed God to create overflow. That by the end of my first semester... By the end of my first semester, he did exceedingly abundantly beyond all I can ask or even think when it came to love. And when the dean would say, I'd be like, come here, brother. What's happening, brother? Ah, glory to God. And it was real. It's genuine. And you know what? I know it wasn't me. It's the power of God. He calls us to a place. So let me tell you something. The greatest place on earth is a spirit-filled church of the living God. Where every possible excuse, every possible, uh, um, every possible uh, distraction, every possible man-made obstacle can be overcome by the Spirit of God in our lives. If I was the enemy, the only way I'd destroy this is to ensure that I get you to be isolated again. The only way I'd make sure is that we would be divided, whether it's by culture or race or socioeconomic level or even geography, uh, whatever it is, generational. I'll do everything in my power to make sure that you do not come together. But we rebuke that in the name of Jesus and we submit to the power of God.
there was something in the announcements that I had to write down. And this is what the brother said. He said, don't do life alone. Find a place to connect. And that one step creates a crack in the door for the Holy Spirit to do more. Because we will always do better together. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.